podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Are you thinking more about how to tighten up your budget these days? Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save over $700 on average, and customers can qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up. A little off your rate each month goes a long way. Get a quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. Hey, Jingity Jing, it's Dominic the Donkey, Jingity Jing, the Italian Christmas Donkey. It's Monday, smiles, joy and Christmas cheer are back again. So to begin, a festive poem. Suarez is scoring, Joe's no longer crap. The turkey is roasting and we stuffed the Sam that's fat. Now where did I put the bin? Because the biblical character is going in. It's the day trippers. This little donkey, you never see him kick. When Santa visits his paisans with Dominic, he'll be. Because the reindeer cannot climb the hills of Italy. show we're joined by our honorary day tripper from across the pond james owens as we look back at two sparkling home performances and the joy which has returned to the red masses before delving into the best way of roasting some white-breasted london cockerels we close out our favorite 11 section with the man we want to manage our sites we'll also be talking to a friend of the show lionel not aka red abbey one on twitter about some travel tips as many of us consider treating ourselves to taking in a match in the new year as usual we'll finish the pod with another round of your questions and the chaos that normally ensues Okay, now over the last few weeks we've been selecting our dream sides for Liverpool All-Time eleven. so who's managing these dream teams? Shanty's out for all of us, alas, as we never saw his side, so who do you have in your dugout, James Owens? Um, well, I suppose I'm one of the Rafa generations, so if we're keeping it to people who we kind of, under, under whom we kind of watch the team, yeah. then it's, it's got to be Rafa, yeah. And, and, and uh, dare I ask your justification for that briefly? Um, I'm about as biggest I was always very much a rapper loyalist really um you know he, I think he, he just did a very very good job um at, at, at a time really when the Premier League was stronger than it's ever been it was stronger than it was now I mean there, there are more decent teams at the top end now but the, the 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 top four or five teams of his time were very very good and I think with the resources he had yes he spent a fair bit of money with, but with the teams that were around he he, he you know he kind of he overperformed basically, and that's that's just domestically. I think in Europe he was absolutely outstanding. So you know, Rafa for you, James. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Phil. I'd love to have be able to pick Bob Paisley, but I'm not old enough yet. So um, I think I'll go with Kenny Dalglish. Yeah. Like again, as I said, as I said right the way through this, my introduction to Liverpool FC was the well was around the eighties, the mid eighties into the late eighties, and we haven't had a better Liverpool football club. Um, since then, Rafa's team came close in terms of what they were capable of achieving, and 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 possibly as as, as James says, anyone that's mi- that missed that dream team of the late eighties, Rafa's would be the best to have. Um, but there's you, you wouldn't have touched it like that 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 team, that John Barnes team, that John Barnes inspired team with with Aldridge and Birdsley and and the rest, they were. Definitely the best in Europe, if only for the Heisel band. It would have been amazing to see that AC Milan Liverpool match up to see what, who the true right was. Mm, for sure. Uh, Damien Flood, your idea of your manager for an all time 11, who do you think? Uh, I think I have to agree with Phil on this one that uh, Kenny Leach for me all day long. Um, but I'm going to go with a close second and say Roy Evans because there's a lot of managers who come after a bit more success than Roy, but Roy played some fantastic football when he was there. Mm. But Kenny Leach all day long for me. Kenny for you. Mm. Stephen Brown. Um, I'm going to agree with James and I'm going to go with Rafa. Um, 
starved of success up until 2001 um, with the treble with Julier. We never really kicked on under Julier. Benitez came in and transformed the club from top to bottom. Um, and what he had to deal with, with the infighting that went on behind the scenes and so on. Um, I think it would be hard-pressed to find another manager that had to deal with anything like Rafa had to deal with in any club at that time. Um, and he gave us Istanbul. Yeah, well, listen, it's hard to argue with that. I'll round it out with, um, with my shout. I am old enough um, to have seen Bob Paisley's teams. I think the 81 Cup final was my first... Um, a European Cup final was my first game that I noticed or remembered. But I'm going to go with Kenny as well as player-manager because, uh, frankly, that... Uh, goal against Chelsea the one that led on to the double is my all time favourite memory so it's Kenny for me ok let's move straight into our review of the Liverpool Norwich uh, and West Ham games it was fun uh, Luis Suarez made light of the absence of a strike partner he fired a Santa sack full of goals past Norwich and West Ham so how was it for you? Did the earth move? Well, let's look at some of the outstanding features of the two games. We'll start off, I think Stephen Brown wants to talk about the attack and Suarez in particular. Where else would you start, Stephen? The last two games, the Norwich and West Ham game, Suarez just showed the world how good he is. I have never seen a Liverpool player put in a performance as good as the 90 minutes, or near 90 minutes Suarez got against Norwich the night. The four goals... You just can't like the third goal was my favourite. The first goal was ridiculous. The second goal was a great bit of improvisation, and the fourth goal was, is a thirty-yard free kick that's starting to look standard. You're expecting it like that's mm. the level that he is at now. Like, we've all watched Ronaldo and Messi and so on, like and Messi beats four players and taps the ball through the keeper's legs, and it's standard. We're expecting now. We're going out every game, and Suarez is going to do something special. That's. It's it's just a joy to behold at the moment. And what did, what did, I mean? One of the things that was seems to have been massively underrated uh, was his assist for Sterling's goal as well. I mean, people seem to have forgotten all about that. You know? Yeah. Um, the thing, the difference with Suarez and other players is Suarez rolls up his sleeve and works his arse off. He doesn't. He's not this fancy player that stands there, doesn't do anything until the ball comes anywhere near him. At one stage on Saturday in the West Ham game, in the second half, Suarez was in the right back position tackling the army because all he wants to do and people say he's this that and the other like whatever the stupid bands and all but the man just wants to win football games Steve quick question for you I was doing a bit of writing on this during the week and one of the topics that keeps coming up again is how much do you let yourself love this fella if there's distinct possibility that he's going away uh, where do you stand on that I mean uh, how uh, how much have you committed in terms of <laughs> where are you on your, on, your, on your Suarez love I got burned badly with Fernando Torres and so badly I think everyone did um, I think Suarez is possibly he's the most talented footballer I've seen play for Liverpool do you remember you said we'd struggle to score with storage out of the team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought I'd remind you that one. Yeah. It's yeah. always nice to have Phil around to remember yeah. these things. Damien, can I bring you in here in this, just on this particular question um, as to where you stand on, on Suarez and your feelings towards him in terms of being a Liverpool fan, seeing how bloody brilliant he is, but how much do you commit to the kid at this stage? It, I think it's very hard. And like Steve as well, I, I struggled a little bit when Torres left. I absolutely despised the ground he walked on for yeah. months. Couldn't stand to even turn the television on him. <laughs> But with Suarez the way he is at the moment, you just got to enjoy him while we have him. That's the way I look at it. Just yeah. enjoy it and take it as it comes. That's it. He may go, he may not. Like I remember people born in Stephen Gerrard's jersey outside the ground. He's still yeah. with the club. Crazy. And what we want to say is maybe Suarez will throw a few quid at him and he might stick around yeah. long term. Yeah. Hopefully that's what happens anyway. Yeah. I don't think it's about money with Suarez. I, I just don't see him as... He doesn't come across as a money-driven player. I think a lot of it's down to family and personal happiness and how well the team is doing like we all know the answer if we finish outside the top four we know Suarez isn't there next season regardless he can sign a contract for 500 grand a week mm. he's not staying if we don't get top four football he's, he's a player that deserves to be on the Champions League stage Suarez could play for Barcelona he could play for Real Madrid pick any side in the world Suarez could play for him that's how good he is yeah. the one thing I would say about Suarez to kind of pay his every striker that's left Liverpool has never been a success and you've left and gone anywhere else. They've all failed. Yeah, that's actually yeah, someone yeah. should get that word to him. They have all failed. <laughs> Every single one of them. Keegan, the Rush. What about Milan Barros? 
Yeah, he was a success. Okay, um, Phil, I'm going to come to you for your uh, chosen topic next. Um, you have uh, noted down here that you want to speak about partnerships, what ones work and don't work. You've noted here particularly Sacco and Skirtle, Alan, Jared, uh, Johnson and Skirtle. Interesting. Okay, give us your thoughts, please. Yeah, I suppose I haven't talked for weeks about the midfield and the issues with the Lucas Gerard partnership and the ongoing fact that they aren't a partnership and they can't function together. Um, it was again delightful to see um, Joe Allen regain his form from when he signed for the club um, and, and blossom again with, and, and free Gerard to push on and be more effective in the top half of the pitch. The one warning I have around it is that we tend to do that anyway at home and Gerard has put in an awful lot of good performances in home matches of being free to push on again. Um, when Lucas came on then on Saturday there was a I know I was talking with, with, with Damien there about it and he said watch us drop deep and I said oh no we won't Joe, Joe Allen's going to stay there and Lucas is going to play in that sort of more aggressive pushed on midfield but he was right about two minutes after after Lucas came on Lucas and Allen switched positions and I thought to the detriment of, of Allen's game on the day as well because he, he, he was he was really controlling the tempo from, from the back of, of the actual midfield he was getting th- getting it off the centre house he kept us nice and high the centre house pushed out with him he, he pulled the team up and as soon as Lucas came on Lucas dropped in between the centre halves and Skirtle almost re- reacted immediately by dropping that little bit deeper and Sacco held position and when you looked across it was almost um, an off centre line and that Skirtle was the furthest man back with Lucas next mm. and then Sacco and that that, that, that sort of that sort of put the back four slightly out of sync and uh, for me I thought because Lucas was so deep there, there became a gap in midfield that hadn't been there beforehand mm. um, and Alan was pushed on probably playing a bit too high which left that gap and, and that was the gap that West Ham sort of exploited then when after Gerrard had gone off now I don't I don't I, I just just before I yeah. jump in like I think the uh, I think Alan and Gerard functions as a partnership, right? I really do, and, and, and I'm delighted to see that. I don't know if the Alan Gerard partnership is the answer. I think Alan will blossom. He's such a good footballer, and he's the player that we need because he can control the tempo of a game, which we've sort of been missing for a good while now. Um, but. I also still think we need that hard bastard in the centre of the park as well. We need somebody that's harder and stronger than Lucas and we need somebody who's got more um, legs and more pace and more power through 90 minutes. Like the Gerard injury, and I don't think anybody will, will disagree with us, he's played too much football. For a man his age, like it was inevitable he was going to pick up something eventually and it's just such a shame that we're going to potentially miss him for four weeks over the, the Christmas period. Just before we get in, the, 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 I have the, the Skirtle-Johnson partnership down because <laughs> of a pain in my fucking arse with that diagonal floaty ball to the back post that Johnson can't defend and Skirtle gets caught out on. Right, And that's that. it's taken away from Skirtle's relatively good form outside of these stupid lapses that goes on and the stupid lapses tend to happen when Johnson can't deal with a floaty cross to the back post. It's not hard. John Flanagan, who's limited in, in, in his all-round game, can defend a floaty ball to the back post. And if you notice, we haven't done anything stupid on the left-hand side since Flanagan has been in there, yet we're still conceding the same goal. It's like a goal in repeat. The sack of Skirtle bit, I'll come back to later on when we're doing the actual preview. I know, James, you wanted to... Uh, you, I was talking to you previously as well, and you wanted to talk about Joe Allen's sort of revival into the actual team, didn't you? Yeah, it was just a general point, really, on... Um just and I mean I know it, it links in with something I think you wanted to say about Asaidi and Moses I think didn't it after Asaidi scored at the weekend Phil which was just a point about just fickleness and it's not I'm not I'm not being sanctimonious about it. I'm as guilty as anyone um, but you know um, a couple of, I think it was the last time I was on which was two or three weeks ago I think it was after the derby so I think that was a fortnight ago wasn't it um, we had a question about you know sort of when when you know how long has Joe Allen got at Liverpool and I'm not one of the lads answered and kind of said you know. Uh, summer at the latest, you know, possibly before, you know, he'd be gone. Of course, now he's had a couple of good games and um, it's all turned around. Likewise, Sterling, you know, people were very much on Sterling's back and he's he's turned in a couple of good performances in the last two games. So it was just more a point really about kind of um, how um, how quickly things change and how fickle we can be really. That was mm. basically it. Yeah, and what do, what do, what were your thoughts on, on Alan in terms of positionally um, the way things changed when Lucas came on and Alan did seem, as Phil was saying, to go more forward. Now, that said, he was involved in a lovely move where I think he hit two passes in the space of about 30 seconds, one a little dink ball forward and then a lovely uh, uh, square ball across the bo- uh, the face of, of goal as well. I mean, he's clearly very, very adept and technically capable. It seems to be, does it, James, a confidence issue completely? Um. I mean, I, I think I think in that role he's a bit more of a, um, 
he's a slightly more progressive player than, than Lucas. I mean, I think one of the things with Lucas when he kind of drops deep to pick up the ball now is um, he's um, he, he's very very slow on the turn, and I think it's possibly the knee. I mean, he was he was never especially mobile. I mean, to be honest, Joe Allen when he's played there before, and this started happening to him a lot around October November last season. He is vulnerable to being pressed there and being dispossessed, you know, p- picking the ball up and turning. Um, but I think, the thing, I think the thing you've got to remember with Alan is that we haven't actually seen a great deal of him. And I was critical of him the last time I was on. Um, but we, we haven't seen, we, you know, we were all sort of dismayed at the miss against Everson. We haven't seen a lot of Alan um, in his preferred role. Um, well, what was his preferred role at Swansea? Mm. Um, without playing without injury at, at, at Liverpool, and since he's been a regular in the team, because obviously he played, he played with that shoulder injury for a long time, and since he's been a regular in the team, um, which is going back the last time he was a regular was January, February. The, the team has changed a lot with the introduction of Sturridge and Coutinho. Obviously, Sturridge is out at the moment, but we've become our emphasis has changed a lot, and we've deviated a lot, a lot from what was probably Rogers' initial idea for how he would play. Um, funnily enough, I mean, Allen's looked probably best in the last couple of games playing as the deepest midfielder, hasn't he? That's where he's played, and that's yeah. um, you know. So, yeah. yeah, fair enough. And uh, Phil, to, just to round out what you were saying about um, one of your partnerships that you mentioned there included Sacco. Is there something that in sp- specifically you want to mention about him there before we move on away from this? No, I'll be dealing with it when we get to the preview of, mm. of the other game. I just thought, give it. It was the right choice um, against West Ham. Like you, you're looking at Sacco and Skirtland. I, I still think, like West Ham, provided very, very little of a threat. I, I've, I've heard other people comment on that Sacco had a poor start and all to his Liverpool career, which is which is crazy. He, well, even even in the, he he played very well up until the time he was left out of the team and like. I, 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 from most of the stuff that I've listened to and read since then, nearly everyone's been calling for his inclusion because he is such so airily strong when when we're actually playing the game, and you wonder, you know, it's taken him this long to get back into the team. We have Brendan saying that he's taken his chance and he's in now, but you know, what does that mean for Agar? Again, the, the Skirtle Sacco partnership was was is good to a point, but you always have that feeling with Skirtle, and it's it's probably unfa- unfortunate on him, but there's always that feeling because he has one season good and one season bad that he's going to do something incredibly daft, right? And like, the, was anyone really surprised? At the og and how it happened, like because he doesn't like it, it again. It's it, it's it's a hapless kick. Like, you know what I mean? He he goes to try clear, but he's so hyper extended in terms of getting to the ball that he can't actually control where the ball is going and it goes into the actual net. Now it's just again, it's 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 that type of thing, and it happens with such regularity, like that he get falls over or something. Or or remember he 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 piled into. Well, you remember against Newcastle, he ra- he dived into the back of Torre, yes. yeah, and he like Torre missed his header from from the back of it. Right, you just wonder at times what's going on in in his head do you know what I mean and so if, if you're saying long term is Sacco a, a good partnership I don't think there's, there's any there's a single person here that wouldn't think that at some stage Skirtle is going to do something incredibly stupid and, and, and it's going to result in a goal whereas I don't get I never get that feeling from Sacco I, he just seems imperious in the, in the centre of that defence I know that everyone talks about the actual Agar thing and you know two left footers and you know you don't because they wouldn't be used to playing on, on the left hand side and the whole lot but I, I'd still, I'd, I'd love to see a, a Sacco Agar combination of some form. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're alone there. And as you say, we will come to that in the preview of the other games, yeah. and we'll be having a look at the shape of the team. Just before um, I let you away, there, we'll just bring you in quickly to, to start, and you just give me a sentence or two on this, and I'll bring in the other, the other chaps. Um, one of the things I wanted to speak about was 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 Moses and um, his impact or lack of it. Um, where do you stand, Phil, on the idea of getting a lad in alone and um, maybe dispensing with that loan as quickly as possible? What, what, what are your thoughts? I, I, I was. Uh, it comes back to the Nuri Sahin deal last year when, when Rogers brought Sahin in and then didn't play him in, in the position that he made his name for. Um, and I'm looking at Moses and we brought him in and we played him initially, I think, for one game in the position that we signed him for. Then he was played brilliant him. against Swansea in the yeah, and then we played him as a, yeah, we played him as a ten then and his confidence seemed to drain as he was completely out of the actual games and making no real telling mark then he gets dropped then he comes in but there's no excuse for the attitude he appeared to show on the actual pitch on, on, on Saturday um, like that pass <laughs> the pass when he, he, he's he got space and there's nobody even pressing him and he just just basically just kicked the ball it didn't even it didn't look like it was going to anyone he just kicked the ball <laughs> I just kick it and then nobody, even the West Ham defender was just stunned. That like, like, what's going on? I just step up and take it. I, I, I feel sorry in a way from him, but 
in this instance, I, if if we cancelled the loan, I don't think anybody be can, anybody be crying over it. Like to be honest with you, like Sterling had was having a really good game against West Ham, and you know when he came off, we also lost that bit of pace and power. Off run was anything. Mm-hmm. Damien, would you agree with that? Uh, definitely, yeah. But I think in terms of cutting uh, loan short, why not cut Suso's loan? Bring him back exactly yeah. because yeah. We're, we're at the I moment. Don't, I don't think unless you can get agreement of Almeria because it's a non-domestic loan. It's like Sahin's deal had to be agreed with Real Madrid to cut right. it last year to send them back. Um, you, we weren't able to cut it unless Real Madrid. And he's doing it. well, so and Almeria like is their, he's yeah. their star man. So it's like flying, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you fit in perfect the way we're playing at the moment with the, uh, the abso- trade just off, off ab- source. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree with you. Yeah, it's quite frustrating, isn't it? Especially because Brendan seemed to have faith in him before, and when you see now the the assist record he has in La Liga, it's it's pretty brilliant. Impressive. Yes. I do think Suzanne needed games though. I think I don't think he would have got the games because we didn't have Europa League football this year. I don't think he would have got the same number of games that he got last season. So the Suzo loan deal makes sense and it makes sense for him to stay with Amiria until the season's finished. So he, there's a possibility he gets 30, 35 games into him yeah, under yeah, his yeah. belt, you know. Yes, yeah. Uh, James, where, where are you on the whole Moses situation? Um better to have a shit loan than a shit permanent transfer basically um, yeah, yeah fair enough you look, you look across the park and Everton Everton look absolutely devastating with Lukaku and, and Dilofeu and, and Barry but you know two of those at least are going to be gone in a year yeah. and they're going to you know go and replace like with like which would be very difficult for them um, so I mean yeah I mean he was, he was I was at Hull I was at Hull and he was he was just absolutely abject and he, you know he, my reaction at the time was he's playing like a lad who can't be arsed here yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And again, you know, you, you talked about what we saw from him on Saturday, and it was, you know, um, yeah. As I said, you know, it, it, it's better to take a punt on a loan player. At the end of the day, he's a lad we bought in because we we didn't we ended up we we had twenty five million pounds roughly to spend on a really good attacking player, and we just couldn't get one who actually joined the club. So we just got Victor Moses Moses in to make up the numbers, and um, he's he's barely done that really. He obviously you know scored that goal against Swansea on his debut, and. I mean, I, I do, I do feel for him a little bit, and then he was played in a, in, a, in a role that doesn't suit him. He was when Coutinho was out, and we played kind of three four one two. He was played behind the strikers, and it's not really his role because he's inclined to kind of hold on to the ball and run with it at times when he should just release it, whether that's back to the midfielders or whether it's you know on the turn trying to play strikers or fullbacks into space. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's you wouldn't be that surprised if we were to, to terminate it in January, particularly with the fact that you know Sterling's had a couple of encouraging games and. Looks like he kind of gets it and was 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 a big contributor to some of the best football we played under Rodgers on in spells on Saturday. So yeah, yeah. Um, we won't loan Sterling, and if we did bring in another attacking player, it would be Moses that go that uh, departs and goes back to Chelsea. So basically, a kind of a, a no harm done. It was it was a punt, and it maybe ha- maybe won't work out. Get um, him in so, the bin. Uh, speaking speaking with the speaking about negatives, which we seem to be uh, getting towards because we like him on on here. Um, <laughs> I've, I, one of the things I've put uh, down is a separate issue, but let's just put it into the whole negatives uh, uh, soup here uh, what I've written down was Mignolet's wonky feet um, and I mean there's probably fewer bigger fans of, of the kid since he's come in than me I think he's a tremendous keeper he really is like, in terms of shot stopping and all the rest of it but what is going on with his kicking I, I, I do not understand he constantly looks under pressure now I've had a little bit of a chat with Phil before where he came, came on all condescending and goalkeepery so it would be very interesting, <laughs> to, very interesting to hear what Phil has to say about this in terms of his distribution in fairness um, uh, we were talking about pressurised situations and releasing the ball under pressure so have you anything to add to that Phil? Yeah his feet are too big his feet are too yeah, big. <laughs> can't control him. He's like, he's like Krusty the Clown. <laughs> he, he can't play a piece of pass. Nah, listen, the, the you know the, the the best thing I thought about Saturday, and I, and I genuinely mean this, is that throw that he he played oh, in the wow, first yeah. half. Like yeah. it was the first time that I've seen an improvement in his distribution and seeing the pass early. D- delivery was quick. It was excellent. Sorry? Sorry, I was going to say. This, I was going to say the goal, the third goal at Sunderland. He released the, the way he released the ball yeah. there was very much like rain, and we broke quickly. So it's something he can do. But yeah. yeah. Sorry. Carry on. Yeah. No. No. And 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 that for me was like the, 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 like to see it and just the fact that he saw it quickly and and, and executed it quickly because I think and I, I said this to you right. The issue for me is his accuracy is offset purely because. He has to. He doesn't. He's a reactive goalkeeper when the ball comes to his feet. He's not proactive. He hasn't seen the pass before it comes. Right. So when the ball comes into him, 
he then looks to see where he's going to play it. Whereas the likes of Reina and, and, and goalkeepers who are good with their feet have already assessed where the ball where they want to put the ball and they're ready to execute that pass when the ball arrives at their feet. Watch him the next time. The ball comes in, he takes a touch, looks and then plays it, right? And then watch somebody, even even Chesney, or, or, I think the, the best exponent of at the moment is Valdez at Barcelona because he, he plays it that way. The ball will come into him and he just, it's just given and it's going. He knows where his next pass is in the same way a midfielder has an awareness of where the players are. He doesn't stop shots though. <laughs> Well, his, his trophy cabinet would, would, would say that he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we move away then from from, uh, from negatives in general, was there anything else that you want to have him on about? No? Can I say a small, a small negative? Right? Go ahead. Um, I, I don't know, Bieber can disagree if you want. I think Coutinho is trying to force the true ball a bit too much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I just I I think and it's 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 maybe knocking a bit of his form like when last year it was natural he was more likely to play a short quick pass get the ball back and then find the gap and play it sometimes I just feel that he's trying to force that ball a bit too quickly and we're we're sort of giving up possession when we don't necessarily need it to it now at home against the likes of Norwich and West Ham who were fucking abject in possession right that it doesn't really make a difference because he's going to get the ball back quickly and he's going to have more chances the more times he gets the ball the more chances he's going to play the ball right but when we go to some Somewhere like Tottenham, like City, let's say, or, or or somewhere like Everton, even where they retain the ball much better, he has less time on the ball, and if he gives the ball away, we're probably he's probably just trying to force it a bit too much because there is an awful lot of expectation for him to deliver. Mm. He needs to be in these cutting inside and shooting no, from thirty yards out. It just, it just like it seems like that he has six shots a game that just trickle wide. But again, that's probably directly from the manager too, because as we read during the week, he's speaking to Felipe, his big buddy Felipe, and keeping him in the loop. Felipe, well, uh, Felipe, Brandon Brand, Brand called him Felipe, <laughs> um, and uh, he's keeping him in the loop about the Brazilian okay. boys. So that's very interesting, Lucas and the rest. Of it. Okay, I think that's quite enough, Mon, unless anyone else has anything particular no. to add. Yeah, so. can, I, can I ask one question of Phil? Actually, please do. Yeah, from a goalkeeping point of view, I mean, what do you think, Phil, with regard to? Um, what, what do you think? You know, I mean, Mignolet is what twenty five, twenty six. You know, what do you think um, the goalkeeping co- goalkeeping coaches? What do you think their prospects are of actually kind of um, helping Mignolet to just to just improve in possession of the ball? I mean, he likes a Cruyff turn, and he, you know, he's, he's shown he can kind of release it quickly when it comes to sort of throwing it forward on the counter. But what do, what do you think? You know, how likely do you think they are to be able to just improve? You know, improve the accuracy and the, the selection of his passing. <laughs> I think I, I, I think they can they can work fairly well in terms of improving the actual accuracy of distribution yeah. because that's 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 a training thing that's just repetitively continually practicing short passes and long passes and, and stuff to build up the accuracy and we we work on that ourselves at the club but I, I, the, the problem I have is that goalkeepers tend to fall into reactive or proactive in terms of distribution yeah. um, and that's that's a hit, like that would be something right the way through where. You may become a very accurate passer, but you're not necessarily going to be a quick releaser. And I think it's, it it yeah. it means it's a complete change of mindset in terms of a chap when he plays the game. He has to see the see the pass before he gets it. Now, I don't know if he can. I don't know how better he can become. But if we could get him even fifty percent better, James, I think like he like at the moment he's had a brilliant start. And I, I, at the same time, I don't want to go over the top, but the guy has has been a huge difference to us this year in terms of the shots that he's stopped for us and, and the points that he's won for us. Right. Um. But obviously, if he can go to the next level again then maybe he'll even have a chance of, of challenging Courtois for, for the Belgian number one because if you actually look at Courtois he has everything that Mignolet has but he's also got that quick distribution as well we get a 50% improvement we're going to have a really really top goalkeeper yeah. in our hands OK right <clears throat> it's time for our second instalment of our look at the nebulous world of rumour and supposition as we turn left onto Phil and Steve's magic rumour roundabout now, what lovely stories have you got for us this week? I'm going away from our, our, our rumour mill here, but uh, the, supposedly Sydney Sam ha, is moving from Leverkusen to Schalke for two and a half million euros. That's a, I've seen that as well. That's a ridiculous yeah. deal. Like, and that's because he had a bio clause. You know, that, that type of player has the skill and the ability to play in, in the Premiership. There's, there's real value there. Um, the problem you have with the Bundesliga, though, and any links that we're going to have with players from the Bundesliga, is German clubs rarely sell in the January transfer window. They don't need the set, though. Well, it, 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 but they rarely do. They normally do their business in the summertime. So mm. I, I prefer to go shopping there, but if we aren't going shopping there, let's make sure that we're getting the right players. Um, uh, who would be? Who, who, who were you looking at this week? Um, well, I was more sort of rumour busting because... Oh, yeah, okay. Martin Montoya's agents were, are, is allegedly in Italy 
talking about Napoli and Inter Milan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't turned up yet in Liverpool one, so I, I'm not sure that the <laughs> yeah. deal is going to come off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the Montoya one's a bit sketchy. Um, Stevie Daniel runs around this little section now for us. Um, well, there's the annual, or six months annually linked to Christian Tello, which I just can't see happening, but. But it's we're, there, we're constantly linked to them. Like it's like Arda Tura. We have to, we have to have a Quaresma replacement. Yeah, Quaresma. Turan. Turan. Turan's kind of getting phased out now. Yeah. So yeah, okay, right. Um, unless anyone has has any other um, ludicrous shouts, then did he? No. There was one going on. Oh yeah, them. Yeah, there was one going on earlier on. Mohammed Salah. Mohammed Salah. Yeah, he's been linked a few times. From yeah, that, yeah. Uh, his representative was at the game on Saturday, apparently. Yeah, so that's the kid who scored a cracker in the. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's a big rumor. From today, there's okay. supposed to be a deal to be struck. Um, and apparently, MV's cousin has come out. He is. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's come out, hasn't he? Yeah, he's come out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Oh. <laughs> We're busting rumors all over the shop. Right, let's move on then, if we could, to the preview of uh, Spurs versus Liverpool. This one has most of us a little bit nervous for various reasons. Um, we've got, again, a couple of different areas that we'd like to talk about. So we'll start off, I know um, uh, a few people have uh, opinions on this. Uh, James Owens, what do we do with our midfield, the way things are looking? And again, Today there are further rumours, and I stress rumours, about uh, Jordan Henderson limping around the place with one of those uh, funny uh, foot uh, uh, supports on him. Um, what do we do with our midfield minus Gerrard, uh, James? Well, you know, that's news to me about Henderson. Uh, yeah, well, like I say, it could be completely well, sketchy yeah, nonsense, but anyway. You, 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 would, you would hope so, because, I mean, we're in a situation where... If, if, if Gerald was out and we got Sturridge available, you'd maybe look at there being a case for playing both Sturridge and Suarez and, and adopting a sort of um, a kind of a counter-attacking approach and trying to get a Spurs, you know, with, with, with two strikers on the counter. But that would be, you know, for all that they've had a bit of a slow start, Spurs, that would be asking a lot with the way, would have been hypothetically asking a lot with the way that they keep the ball and and um, and what have you and, and with the midfielders they've got. But... Um, you know, if if they're all fit, I, I, you know, you just pick all three. You know, you pick Lucas Allen and Henderson. I think we, you know, for me, we we're always in midfield alike going into this season. You know, four central midfielders when you're often going to be playing with three, isn't enough um, because we're not going to have anyone on the bench. That's for certain. We're not going to have a central midfielder on the bench. Um, so you, you know, you'd, you'd be you'd, you'd assume just some some kind of some variation of a four three three if Henderson is fit, and it's obviously going to be Lucas Allen and Henderson. We're at that stage with a few injuries where the team picks itself because you know you just put the players out who are fit, and it's just there's there's an, an obvious you you think Sterling, Coutinho on either either side of Suarez, and then the back four is the back four. The centre back pairing is probably the area for the biggest debate because we've got a shitload of centre backs and we've we've not had a lot of continuity there, but. Hmm. Yeah, you would think those three if they're all fit, but it means it seems that even that's up in the air at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Demo, you, you, where, where would you go in midfield? Uh, well, you only have the three to pick from. Um, there was talk earlier on and people saying maybe Alberto in there. My biggest fear yeah. coming into this game with Spurs is the power they have in the middle of the yeah. park with Dembele, Paulinho, the likes it is. They're big, powerful units, mm. and they can get at us. On top of that, they've also got a lot of quality out wide um, with Townsend and the pace that they have out wide. And we haven't got the quickest fullbacks in the world. I'm actually pretty worried about this game I am pretty worried about it I think yeah. I think we didn't grasp midfield against any of the top four teams Yeah, we don't get a grasp in the midfield at all and you, you, as, as, it, as it lines up currently you're seeing them definitely having the edge in that central area without a doubt yeah ok Steve any thoughts um, watching Spurs the past couple of weeks they seem AVB seems to be playing Paulinho as a number 10 for some reason um, when he was signed as primarily the main central midfielder Um Polinio starts as a number 10 like he is as the last said he's a big strong unit but he, he, is he a number 10 I don't think so Dembele doesn't pass the ball unless he has to he, I've seen him so many times and in fairness he does look a very very good player like watching him against United and he bossed the midfield because United don't have a midfield or didn't that day um, I don't know it's so you're, 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 you're seeing some hope there, basically. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I can okay. see if if Henderson is fit, and obviously hope they are rumours. Um, like Henderson can pressure Dembele hmm. into running down blind alleys, and you'll need to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, Phil, if you want to come in in the midfield, otherwise you want to start introducing the idea at the back. No, I, I, the only thing I'd say about midfield is that if Henderson is out, I think 
we may go with the two of Lucas and Allen and potentially Coutinho playing at the 10 Mm. And then you'll have um, Moses and Sterling either side um, with, with Suarez up top. I think, uh, uh, and, and personally, if Henderson is out, I just see Moses coming into the team. That's the only change that I'd see mm. being made. Um, assuming that Gerrard's out as well, so I, I don't, I don't, um, I can't see it going any other way. I'd like to see Alberto come in um, into a more, and we play an actual four-three-three, and have Coutinho on sort of the left of Suarez and um, Sterling on the right-hand side of Suarez. That's what I'd like to see. Mm. But I don't see it. I, I, I see Lucas coming in and I see Moses coming in because Moses did come on again on Saturday when he had a chance to bring Alberto onto the t- on, even though Alberto came on against Norwich as well. But that's just the way I see it. What about that shout that uh, you're alluding to there and Damo mentioned as well about Alberto coming in? I tell you what, if I had the shout, I want him in um, because, as you say, the obvious choice is if Hendo is out, and it is supposition at this stage, Christ alive! You bring in Moses there now, and his confidence is fucked into a cocked hat. I mean, what, what, what do we do with that kid? I, I, I just see. Um, I, look, the thing about Alberto is he's he he looks a really good player. He looks though a little bit slow in comparison to the attacking players that are in use in the Premiership at this moment in time. And he was an attacking front three player at Barca B last year um, mm. and similar when he was at Seville so he's learning if, if we're going to be playing him as a central midfielder or, or a, a, as a, as the most advanced part of his two and his one or his one and his two right? Yeah, the one and the two, yeah. he's learning a new position <clears throat> which is why I think he may be getting eased into the first team with 10 minutes here and 15 minutes there in a different position to where he would have played up to now mm. right Um I don't see Brendan doing anything really strange in this one to be honest with you no, I think no, he'll I go safety first and I think every time we've gone and set up we've actually set up to play in the counter attack um, and I don't see any change when we go to Spurs I think we'll, I think we'll let them have possession the thing about Spurs and James you you can jump in here if you, if you think I'm wrong on this one as well Spurs have been a very slow team in comparison to the Spurs team of last year more happy to retain the ball but they're not making that many chances and I think we're very comfortable with a, ball, with, with a team having the ball in front of us, as Everton did against us um, in Goodison Park. Um, I don't. I, I could see. I, there's hope for us, even with with the injuries we have. Um, there's plenty of hope there for us with the injuries that we have. But there's always that concern that suddenly the Spurs could click on the day. And our recent record in in um, Wyhern Lane has been shite, basically. So, mm. yeah. James, I mean, do you want to come in there? Yeah. Well, well I think. Um, you know, last season, and it was something we saw against Everton. Actually, is we we had um, we we were really vulnerable when the ball turned over. Um, and I talked about it last time I was on. We saw it against Everton. It was a real problem early on under Rodgers. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Tottenham really. You know, the Tottenham of last season were kind of like kryptonite to us because they basically relied heavily on um, on just basically bail on the counter. I mean, I remember. I don't know if anyone's ever a Hulk on Football Manager, but when Hulk was good on Football Manager, a bit of a digression here, but it was like it was like <laughs> just having, it was like having a cheat code because you could just counter attack so well. And Bale yeah. last season was like that. Tottenham have changed a lot, and I think there were a lot of us in the summer looking at Tottenham and thinking, right. You know they're going to do really, really well out of selling Bell because you know they'll lose one really good player and bring in five or six really good ones because of the you know the money that Real Madrid are going to pay for him. Now that may still turn out to be true, but they've not they've not found they they you know results have picked up a bit since they obviously had that horrible that horrible result at, um, at City. City but yeah. Things have um, they've you know. They still not they st- they still don't look convincing. You know they've got an appalling kind of shot accuracy. They're shooting loads from distance. Um, and they've got a really, really kind of poor accuracy rate, which, which, funnily enough, tends to go with shooting from distance. You know, Bale last season was an exception, but you know, they've not. They are a lot more. They are. They are a lot more ponderous. Um, whether or not you know you, that you would think is something we would be able to cope with on the one hand, but then as, as um, one of the, you know one of the lads has pointed out, uh, they're really powerful sort of players in the central areas for Tottenham, and we've not really got that. We can't match up to that. But the one thing, the one sort of. The one positive that might there might be about Jared not being there, we'll miss the set piece delivery and everything else. Is that um, his work rate off the ball is quite poor, um, and is, is, is just general defensive awareness and, and you know and, and uh, diligence in, in terms of tracking people is poor. Now the, the midfielders will have in there whichever combination it is should be a bit a bit a bit more responsible in that regard so maybe that's one way in which Gerald Binat can work forwards I mean it's, it's bad news obviously but um, yeah, yeah, we just have to wait and see yeah absolutely Damien can I come to you on your idea of who you'd like to see first of all lining up at the back and then I'll come to stay on this as well just uh, speak to the two of you guys in this um, who you'd like to see at the back as opposed to who you probably think will see, you will see at the back what I'd like to see at the back for starters is Kelly at right back 
um, Lucy Torres centre half beside Sacco and at left back Johnson. Okay, yeah. Um, I know myself and Phil had a conversation about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about who was going left back and you were saying Johnson was a terrible tendency coming inside. But so was Flanagan. Flanagan's doing it all day long and every pass he does comes backwards. At least when Johnson gets forward up the left, it's attack minded. Mm-hmm. He, he tries to get on the outside, cuts inside and he's direct. Mm-hmm. Flanagan just gets up the line, cuts back and plays backwards. Mm-hmm. Everything just dies with that at that moment. That's what I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. What I do think it'll be would be Johnson. Uh, Skirtle, Sacco and Flanagan I don't see any change yeah, you, you think it's going to pretty much stay, stay with you uh, way in behind that um, I think it's going to be the same for as Saturday um, I think Sacco has I think Sacco done enough on Saturday to keep his place um, I think it's a, it'd be a crazy move now to drop him um, especially after what was said after the match um, I think Flanagan will start at left back um, which will be interesting to see who actually starts ahead of Flanagan as well because Kyle Walker as like we all say, Glenn Johnson loves attacking but can't defend. Kyle Walker is exactly the same. Possibly a little worse. More extreme, yeah. Yeah. Um so it's the whole left side kind of conundrum is a massive deal because obviously they have Townsend that'll start on the right cutting inside and he'll then allow Walker to come outside him, mm. basically attacking Flanagan one on one. Um I wouldn't have any fears with Flanagan playing left back because We've seen for the past three games how solid he's been. He's came in, and I remember the Arsenal game where everyone kind of went, "Oh, fuck, we're shit! Like this is a disaster." Mm. And he hasn't put a foot wrong. Yeah. Um, so realistically, do you see the same back four? That's the same. Yeah. My personally, it's the same back yeah. four. Yeah. Um, Phil, I know I'd w- row in behind the idea of, of Agger being re- reintroduced alongside Sacco uh, again. Realistically, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the two full backs stay the same. Uh, again, sadly, uh, where do you uh, where do you come on this in terms of realistically what you see happening? Um, for every reason, I wanted John Flanagan to play against West Ham so he could murder Stuart Downing. Um, <laughs> and, three minutes, <laughs> and he sent him he sent him into his back pocket after three minutes. But then, as as, as Sam Allardyce pointed out, he ripped the leg off Stuart Downing, and Stuart had to go to hospital to get stitches. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, he was able to play for a half though. Was, well, yeah. he was able to stand there and hide behind players as he did for the whole. He went the right back. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, the, for every reason that uh, Flanagan, I wanted him to play there last week. I want Agar to play left full this week. Mm. Um, I think against Townsend, he as he's going to cut inside, right? And I think uh, Agar will be more comfortable shifting. To, he can cover in for Sacco Sacco can come and attack Townsend if he goes to go inside and Agar can push in around the side of him and become a, a centre back I think the, the, there's a, a level of fluidity in terms of, of playing Agar there um, and having say Sacco and Skertel so you're not changing that centre central partnership because Brendan's going to feel and rightfully so that they deserve another game whether I think they should or not that's a different story mm. and then Johnson is going to be played at right full regardless of what it is because we're not going to drop him right so I would like to see Agar come in at left back and it also sort the issue in terms of which are gone who's going to captain the side so I'd say I'd be saying like that you put your vice captain back in and that, there's your leader on the actual pitch for what is a fundamental pivotal game in our season we win this game and we've we've overturned our abysmal away record that we have this season and we've picked up three points against a direct rival where we would have started out at the start of the season if we wanted to go for fourth and we're leaving ourselves in a really good position as we run into these Christmas fixtures because if you look at the next four games if we picked up six points out of the next 12 with three games against Spurs, Chelsea and City you would be saying that isn't a bad return. Um, so I, 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 I think if we can beat Spurs, and we, I, I'd, I'd be delighted with that. I'd definitely play Agar at left back. With that um, lineup um, in mind, who are those back four facing up top? We've spoken about Spurs midfield at some length there. Who is it that's going to be up top? Is it the foes in favour now, or what? what, what? I've, I've, I've a feeling Adebayor might even start this game because if you look at his skill set, if you can actually motivate him, he's the type of centre forward who gives Skirtle all types of problems mm. at, at a different level again. The problem is getting him motivated at Adebayor. Um, I think Skirtle will be able to handle Soldado um, and I definitely think Sacco can handle a Soldado but if you can get Adebayor and you know Adebayor is going to have a sniff because it's almost transfer window time 
he he might get a, he, he, he might get a, a nice move um, away, and you know this could be the game that this game is going to be on television. It's going to be everywhere. So Adebayor has a, has an audience in front of him, and it's the type of game that he could turn it on and and be a real handful for Skirtle at the, at the back. We've seen it a number of times with Adebayor when he was with Arsenal and with Spurs, and he has had. I hear our our heads had Skirtle's number where he has gone out and destroyed him. Yeah. Um, I don't think I think they went out shopping during the summer and bought X amount of midfielders, but forgot to buy the centre forward they need. Obviously, they got Soldado, who is not what Spurs need. Soldado, I think, is with Valencia was a very good player. Hasn't really gone well from since he came to the Premiership. But I, I, I disagree with you. I think Soldado in Spurs team last year. Could have potentially got Spurs into the top two. Well, that's what, no, that's what I mean. He, it just hasn't worked because he's not the type. So fu- fundamentally, they they signed the player they that, they needed last year, that, that not was, this season. Yeah, but again, you, you can't like. Obviously, he was lined up for a while, and we know the deal was on the table. For, like there was talk of the Spurs Soldado deal all the way through. Now, what happens is they don't do a like for like boy in terms of bail. You you possibly can't get, but you don't get similar players or three or four similar players. They look to change the way their actual game is playing and potentially. You'd imagine with the creative players they have, there would be enough of them to make the type of passes and the type of chances that Soldado will feed off of. It hasn't happened. It's like Morientes when he came to Liverpool. We all imagined he was going to be a hit. Soldado just hasn't hit the lights with with sports. I was listening to sports fans last Saturday giving out yards about AVB, and the particular thing that you alluded to was there's no crosses coming in from the wide areas, and Soldado mm. ate them food yeah. and drink all day long when he was in Spain. That's what he lived off was yeah. from crosses from wide areas yeah. getting onto the end of things. They don't come. Any crosses at all, mm. sports at all, and that's their own fans that were saying this and really, really irritating them. Yeah. They were putting that in yeah, I think uh, I've heard a lot of irritation from sports fans in regards to Towns, and uh, maybe because he does shoot too much rather than getting crosses in. Which, product, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <coughs> while you're while you're on the mic there, uh, Demo, can I get an idea from you about how you think this game might finish up? Um, what my worry is with, with Rogers, and I've seen it in certain games in particular, is sometimes a little bit of tactic naivety from him. Um, I think he'll go to White Hart Lane and instead of going like I hate saying this but say, like Rafa would have went and said right, we're happy with a point mm. and we'll see what we can get from it he'll go and if he balls out he'll go mad for the, for the three points mm. I think that's just going to open the game up brilliantly for sports and that's what my worry is mm. because we've all noticed sports like to keep possession of the ball it's slow build up but if there's five against three in the middle of the park they're going to pop it around all day and they're going to move it a lot quicker it's their space So I'm sensing that uh, uh, you're predicting a Spurs win then? It'll be a draw. A draw. Okay. Um, James, could I get an idea of a prediction off you, please? Um, I'm, I'm not too optimistic, I'll be honest. I mean, as I said before, I know Spurs haven't clicked, but um, again, you know, even without the kind of the counter-attacking element they had last year, they look like a team that we would struggle against. You know, obviously, I said there may be some positives to Jared not being available, but you would rather have him there. We haven't got storage, obviously, and there's obviously, you know, there's this rumor about Henderson, so we'll have to see what happens with that. But um, uh, I'd be I'd be delighted and relieved if we got away with the point. To be honest, I mean, I think this would be a more difficult game for Flanagan than he's had so far. You'd expect he'll start a left back again, and I think Townsend, if he plays there, um, he's a bit of a one-trick pony. Well, no, there's kind of two. He'll either go down the line very quickly or cut in and shoot. But I think you know either could be a problem for Flanagan because he is very quick, and Flanagan, you know, will have to be very very alert to not be sort of done, you know, struggling to turn and keep up with him, basically. Yeah. And I think it'll be a tough game for us generally, so uh, I think we might struggle. Right, OK. Um, I think I'd agree with most of what you're saying there, and I think I'd probably put my weight behind a potential draw there as well, except Luis Suarez. Um, Stephen Brown? That's exactly what you say, Trev. I think that we can win this game. I, for some reason, just have this thought that we can stay in the game for 60, 65 minutes, and Suarez does something magic because mm. that's what Suarez there, does. That's exactly the point. If we can stay in the game, because they, we could potentially be overrun there in the middle. Phil Casey, your prediction? I'm going to disappoint an awful lot of people. Oh, no. <laughs> this is going to be realistic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do you know what? Right, I think we're nailed on to get the three points. Oh Christ! I, d- I, I think I, I, I don't know why. Right, I, I haven't been this bullish about a match all season. Can I ask? Are you watching this in the pub? Because if, if if you are, we're screwed. Because <laughs> you are a proper Jonah, you know that. I know, should I? 
my dad goes to the game the first time he's gone without me like <laughs> they go and win 4-1 we haven't seen him we haven't seen a win in five years like even watching games at home we hadn't seen a win <laughs> so we had to stop watching matches together I had to send him to a different county in the country because it was like there was, there was a whole area code thing going on it's desperate man seriously but no honestly I, I don't know why I just I think we're going to win this game and I think we're going to win purely because we have this sense of invincibility building in us. I, I, I'm really bothered about this one. I think we'll go to Tottenham Hotspur. We haven't won in White Hart Lane in a good while. I think we're due a win. And I think Suarez will be too much for the Spurs defence. And I'm balls out and I'm saying we're going to win 3-1. Oh dear God. Okay, right. Um, we need to... It's an Irish shock around the room, isn't it? <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, yeah. Particularly because Phil's got his balls out. But anyway, <laughs> right. Let's move on to our listeners' questions. And uh, we have a few gems here, and um, I'm going to fire them around some yeah, people here. So I'm going to ask Phil question one. <laughs> Phil, Carl Trotman at Carl Trotman asks, "What five items would you have in a fry up?" Um, eggs. Yeah. Oh. Two eggs. Four sausages. Three rashers. Many we want to know. That's too many. <laughs> no, that's oh yeah. Um, mushrooms. Have to have a few mushrooms. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and hash browns. Ah oh, man, lovely. Okay, right. <laughs> Where's the pudding? You've made a mess of that. Yeah, completely. You said, said five. <laughs> gave you five. Marco Lopez at Footy Mark Hall. He asks, and I'm going to come to Steve Brown on this. Which two Premier League teams would you like to see most having a massive old school brawl or fist fight, and who wins? Like a Royal Rumble kind of. That's style exactly thing. what we're I've been about. thinking about this. Um, I'd like to see Stoke and Man United, just to put more pity on David Moyes. Just. Just to stamp them down a little bit so more. You, 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 I take it. Okay, perfect. Uh, Damon, I'm going to come to you on this one. Um, and I, uh, I'm going to go to Carl again, Carl Trotman. He asks, which is the best Christmas movie? His show is Home Alone. Um, what would yours be? I nearly have to agree with him on that. You can't, oh, yeah? you can't be at Home Alone, but you have to throw in Die Hard. You have to have Die Hard. Die Hard 2 is the Christmas one, is it? Um, one. Oh yeah. One do I have one do you that's a Christmas for them. <laughs> let's, let's just go around and get a few shouts off this, Steve. I had this debate with Carl last yeah. night on Twitter and it was actually me that said home alone and it was he that said Die Hard. Yeah, James, uh, best Christmas movie. Um, do you know my mind is absolutely blank on that question. I'm not a big one for watching films at Christmas. Um <laughs> all right, so all right. I'm, gonna I'm gonna have to pass. <laughs> all right, that's that's delightfully miserable, Chris. All right, Phil. Chris, yeah, Chris, yeah. Hell yeah. My yeah. mate Chris, go yeah. on. That's very apt. <laughs> Santa Claus the movie. Oh yeah. It's the best Christmas movie of all time. And it is. It still brings a tear to my eye at times. Which one? The one with Dudley Moore. Not the one with Tim Allen. No, Santa Claus. That's the, the movie. that's the Santa Claus. Fucking hell, man! Do you know any Santa movies? Santa Claus the I movie. The one with the, the I have it on Blu-ray. I have it on DVD. I have it on Netflix. I have the works. Every time. You're t- you're all wrong. It's planes and trains and automobiles. It's now Home Alone. Uh, you've totally missed. Better it. than Home Alone, man. It has Santa Claus. <laughs> has Santa Claus? What is Christmas? Home Alone? Has Joe Pesci? It has Santa Claus. <laughs> Joe Pesci has in Goodfellas. I don't need. If I want to see Goodfellas, that Christmas film. <laughs> Neil Poole who's at Poole Neil on Twitter he asks <laughs> he asks would a point at Spurs be a good point or an opportunity missed a point at Spurs a good point or an opportunity missed well actually I think we probably uh, a few of us have answered this Steve as a man who's optimistic I'm going to come to you uh, on this one opportunity missed opportunity missed ok we'll actually leave it at that Johnny Milburn he asks uh, we've got the best chance of top 4 post 6 in Gillette we need investment so make your pitch to John Henry who and how much James um, I was really hoping you wouldn't ask me this question because I'm <laughs> yeah, I just keep annoying you kid <laughs> I put names out of the uh, out of the ether in terms of players um, I know what positions I'd like us to buy for um, you'd, you'd certainly want to fall back in January um, it'd be greedy to want a wide attacker and a striker but I think we could do with both really yeah it's Christmas and certainly the midfielder so I don't know but that, that, that that's a lot of money to buy players of, of you know of real quality sure Phil shout yeah. one name at me that you'd want I'll go for one that we're, lo- we're linked with so Mavia yeah. John get us Mavia please Okay, Noel Tracy, he's at Tiger Tracy and he says, does one feel comfortable having a full-blown conversation whilst on the crapper? That's a 
pretty philosophical question. Stephen Brown, have you uh, engaged in full conversations whilst on the crapper? It depends who's on the other end of the line. Oh, it's a phone conversation immediately. Phone, well, if it's a phone com- like I've had conversations through the bathroom door, obviously. Yes. But uh, and it depends who's on the phone. But yeah, what I mean. No, just, but- I just have to hide the, the squeezes. <laughs> Muffle the noises. <laughs> yeah. Um, James, I'm going to come to you with this one. This is from Warren Healy. He's at, wa- at Warsaw. And he asks, Who is better in all your fields and horses, Uncle Albert or Grandad? Uncle Albert by Country Mile. Go and, on, uh, I, can, I can do quite a good impression of Uncle Albert. Oh, as excellent. Well. Yeah. Um, I can do Boise a little bit, but I mean, Uncle Albert particularly as well. Um, why don't you explain to us via Uncle Albert why he's better than Grandad? Um, he's just funny, you know. Buster Merrifield was just fucking dead funny, you know. He, he did that. I mean, I can't really convey this over a podcast, but he did that really kind of like funny thing where he kind of I'm doing it now, which is of no use to anyone. <laughs> is, it, is it the thing with his chin? His head, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, I sort of attempt to do that if ever I do an impression of him, but just the beard and everything was funny, and the kind of the whole during the war thing that was funny as well. He <laughs> yeah. uh, was just funnier, and I mean. One of my favourite bits, I mean, the Christmas trilogy from 96, if anyone's, you know, for those who've seen it, you'll remember the scene where Rodney ends up applying for his own job and he's reading out the, the job advert and saying it sounds like the ideal job for him. He doesn't realise it's his job um, that Dell's <laughs> advertised for. And um, he's reading out to Albert and he's saying, well, my, 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 my Nicholas Lindhurst is crap, I've got to say. But Rodney, <laughs> so, you know, well, no. Well, it's me, isn't it? Is it? Yes, I've got experience with computers. Wow. You've never got one to work yet, have you? <laughs> <laughs> How do you walk into a monument, son? Didn't you see it? <laughs> You've given us some talking, it's very impressive. Okay, next one up is from at Neb uh, Hamu. Um, and Neb asks if you had a choice between having Gerard's dodgy groin or Enrique's brain, Damo, which one would you go for? Uh, Gerard's dodgy groin. Why is that, Damo? Because he probably has more brains down there than Enrique. Has <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Again, another one for the whole group. What's your favourite Christmas song? Asks Gray. Uh, he was on earlier at Gray, not David. What's your favourite Christmas song? And he does stipulate that you can't pick the Pogues if you were thinking of picking the Pogues. Um, now, I know James going to come back in on this, but we'll go around to everyone. Phil, your favourite Christmas song? Oh, hang on. I know what it is. All right, go on. <laughs> Diggity Dominic the donkey, Diggity Donkey, Italian Christmas donkey singing a la 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 la. That's mine now as well. That's it. I'm just, I'm having that. Steve Brown, favorite Christmas song. Oh Lord, it was a toss up between War Is Over. And Cartman's Oh Holy Night. Oh, Cartman's Holy Night. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Okay, uh, Demo? Uh, Chris Rea, Driving Home for Christmas. Oh, Demo. Demo. <laughs> oh, so romantic. Every one of you has listened to that on the way home. Home and sing every one. A, a little Lord. tear in the eye of course, uh, while you're giving out shout about Lucas. Excellent. <laughs> uh, uh, James? Last Christmas by Wham. It's, I, think it's, I genuinely think it's just a beautiful song. Just, you know, just a, a beautiful song of, um, of heartbreak and rejection and betrayal. Jesus Christ! Uh, I, I, genuinely, I genuinely think it's. I think it's, I think it's a wonder, I absolutely love it. I think it's a wonderful song. I'm mean, going to do love Fairy Tale New York, and I like Slade and Wizard and all that. But and driving home for Christmas is a good show, actually. Um, yeah. But no, I mean definitely, definitely last Christmas by Web. And also Andrew Ridgely when he was younger looked a bit like Alvaro Arbeloa. Well, that's well, a shout. That, that's a shout. That actually, that, yeah. it, it is a shout. And I was saying all the time Arbeloa was playing for us. So yeah. Was he as nasty as Arbeloa? Uh, he probably wasn't as cynical. Arbolo was brilliant in that way, wasn't he? He was like butter wouldn't melt, but he was an absolute shit. And he was a dirty bastard. We were really good in that respect at that time. He got Mascarano as well, but Arbolo was just so much more kind of subversive about it and sneaky. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Right, okay. Um, we'll finish out with this one from Kevin Boyle, who says, who does the Christmas wrapping in your house? Uh, and how would you approach wrapping something that's round? Uh, this is a, a technical question here. Has anyone got any shouts on this one? The round thing is easy, right? You get yeah. double-sided tape, you cover the round thing in double-sided tape, and just stick it on top of the paper and just roll it around really quickly. Done. But you've made shit the, the round present. I'm not opening it. It's present. Has anyone else got anything to offer on that? The realistic answer, yeah. put it in a box. 
put it in a box and then ah, you're good. This, the two this, what actually, they, this is what they do in the shops when you buy the presents. Ah, excellent. For the record, Damo is nodding away there as well, so the boys have a look. Okay, let's uh, wrap it up. Um, as usual, I want to mention our lovely hosts here, Astro Park. This is the spot in Dublin for all your five-side needs. You can learn more about this excellent facility at www.astropark.ie. Now, we have another thing to uh, plug for them as well. They've got a Christmas bubble football club blitz. It's on the 28th of December at 3pm. The cost is €40 Euro per team, four players per team. Minimum of three bubble football games per team. And the winners get six months of subscription on Satanta Sports uh, package, uh, which is a hell of a price. You can call them on 01459 or email infotala at astropark.ie. Um, also don't forget to rate and review the pod on iTunes spread the good word of the Day Trippers far and wide follow us on Twitter at the Day Trippers 1 and massive thanks as ever goes to Johnny Reb uh, who's won't you agree is our brilliant theme your Day Trippers tonight were James Owens Phil Casey Damien Flood Stephen Brown and myself Trev Downey you stay classy they're recording you yeah? ok let's go again mm-hmm. try get try come in on donkey <laughs> start again Try come in. Ah, bollocks. This takes longer than the fucking pod. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Right, try dive in on, on the la la la. Right, is that after the second donkey? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> second donkey. <laughs> All this week on NBC Four, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at six. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.